Nice. So what are we talking about today? Fit versus Big. healthy? Exactly. All right. I, today. Right. Jay's going to take his shirt off. Yeah. Well, that's part of fit. That's usually where you can see like abs and stuff like that or abs yes. maybe. Thank you. I shouldn't say Thank plural, you. but. Uh... <laughs> Isn't that called skinny fat? Yeah. Skinny fat. Yeah. <laughs> If you're interested in dissolving the origins of disease, finding solutions to your health problems, and living a full, meaningful, joyful life, then make sure you tune in for your weekly Vitality Check. Each week, the team from Vitality Multitherapy unpacks illness and explores what it truly means to be healthy. Join us as we usher in a new paradigm in healing and take a multi-perspective approach to the myriad of challenges that we face in our modern world. Together, we will go well outside the limited box of conventional medicine and find answers and solutions that put you back in the driver's seat of your own health and your life. Buckle up, join us on this journey, and let's make sure to have a little fun along the way. Welcome back to the Vitality Check Podcast. Different, do it different. I didn't like Welcome that back to the Vitality Check Podcast. Here oh. again with Dr. Jason Logan and another doctor, Dr. Sean Landry, oh. is in the house. Oh. Two doctors, two wow. doctors, and two others. Kevin Landry, <laughs> and Jason Turnbull, C and D, C and D, the B team, yeah, the B team, yes. <laughs> so glad to be here, boys. Like always, yeah. It's a wonderful day here in Montreal. Mm. Nice. Great to have everybody here. Great to have you here, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me today, guys. No problem. Yeah. Very happy. Anytime here. you want to come on, Sean. Nice. So what are we talking about today? Fit versus Big. healthy? Exactly. All what right. I, today? Right. Jay's going to take his shirt off. Yeah. Well, that's part of fit. That's usually where you can see like abs and stuff like that or abs yes. maybe. Thank you. I shouldn't say Thank plural, you. but uh <laughs> Isn't that called skinny fat? Yeah. Skinny fat. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say that? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, you did. What is you, the difference? You did. Right? You so, did say it. Yeah. I did. It's out there. It's on video too. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. No race. Yeah, we're just looking at what are the differences because sometimes these terms get kind of thrown around, right, and interchangeably, but they're not really the case, right? Mm -hmm. So. I guess we can kind of define what we think healthy versus fit are, and then maybe we can talk about some of the you know, some of the indicators of what makes someone be fit and what are the indicators of being healthy. And, and that might help differentiate for people what those differences really are, right? So maybe we'll start with fitness, for instance. So fitness for some people, like we said, interchangeable is not really like that, right? So you can be fit, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily healthy, right? So Yeah, absolutely. So I think the big thing when you look at fit is like their physical condition, their physical health, their physical activity. Like you're looking at fitness, I think, more than you're looking at health, right? Anyone else want to jump in on that? Yeah, I, I think when you when you think of fit, usually you I I think of it primarily around like related to usually athletic performance. Like you usually can do certain feats, maybe better and better the fitter that you get. I usually think of it as around you know lean. Um, like I said, usually you can see abs and stuff like that. Like I think of that more as fitness, but you can be really fit and actually be really unhealthy. A lot of people, right? So you might look good on paper, you know, or the picture looks good, and you can actually even perform certain feats well, but you might have a lot of other markers that we can go down the, the road here we'll talk about, but there's different markers, I would say, specifically around health versus fitness. And then I think there's some that overlap, where it's like if you get a, a few key ones on board, they will help with your fitness, but they will also be very important for your overall health. So it's almost like the, those bodybuilders when they go into competition. 
They're super right. jacked, super fit, but probably very unhealthy by what they've put their body through. Yeah, their blood work might not look that great. Right. Yeah. Right. Just, or or even like marathon runners or something you yeah, see yeah. too, right? Um, they can Context. perform this crazy feat, but you know, you can run into other problems. Um and I would even say a big one's even like been some cardiovascular stuff, particularly with marathon runners, you know, being that fit in that area may not be healthy in a lot of other aspects of your, of your life. So overtrained, right? You could be overtrained and, uh, without looking at all aspects of what makes someone healthy, right? So yeah. Yeah. And depleted therefore, right? If you're focusing on one thing and one thing only, you're sacrificing other things. Right? Mm -hmm. When well, you would see one thing I would find a lot of times would be, I'd get people coming in that were working out, say, a lot. So they, they looked really good. Like they were lean. Um, they, they, could, they were strong. They could do a lot of these things. But then what you'd start to find would be, um, especially when it's gone too far, because sometimes working out a lot or, or, you know, like even an athletic performance, when you're doing it a lot, sometimes that eventually starts to become stressful on the body, right? So you start to see maybe more wear and tear. You're creating more inflammation. Um, I would find sometimes you even like, you even see this with like a lot of like real long distance runners, they actually start to build a little bit of belly fat around there that they can't get rid of, right? So something's off. That's, that's not now, that's now where your fitness level is starting to affect your overall health. Something else needs to be checked out and changed. You'll see it often with people that are obsessed with with working out and stuff like that too. Like Sean was saying, alluding to the fact that they're overtraining, and then you'll see it when they come in the office. They, you look at every other spec in terms of health, and you they don't sleep well, they don't digest well, uh, they're not recovering. So all these are indicators too that the person is either overdoing it and or not putting the right elements into their fitness and overall health to 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 be optimal. Oh yeah, we all know runners like that too, right? They're they run, they run, they run, but God forbid they miss a running day, right? Because mm. if they miss that one day, it's like it well, it blows their whole day apart. It's no longer a good Lashing. day for them. So you can see that there's a there's a psychological component to that as well, right? Which is <laughs> well, and that that would be a big part of health. You know, when you think about health, it's like I think are all of your distant different systems actually running pretty effectively? Because you could be pretty fit, but you could be waking up exhausted. You could have aches and pains. Um, like you said, your bowels could be totally off or your digestion could be a mess. There's lots of those things that could be off, but you, Hormonally. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times that does happen with the overtraining. So I would look at systems like this is where we talked about in one of the other episodes, we've talked about determinants of health. I always think that's a really good way to go back to sort of get an overall picture of yeah. where am I from a health standpoint. So, and it, it's, it's, doesn't cost you anything. It just causes you to reflect a little bit at the end of their day. It's like, how were my bowel movements? How many did I have? Were they, you know, were they formed properly? Um, what was my stress level light? How was my mood? Um, how was my sleep? You know, like just, just look at some of these markers and see how you're doing. And if you're tracking that regularly, um, you know, even if you can, you know, run 10K in, you know, 35 minutes or something, but you've got all these other markers going off, um, you know, you got to kind of relook at that and decide like, am I actually, is this actually supportive or do I need to do some other things? And Jay, you mentioned around mental health. That's a huge component of overall health. And I would agree a lot of times the hard training becomes kind of like the crux that if it's not there, their mental mm -hmm. health starts to really go. It's like, that yeah. was my stress relief. And that's usually when you're, you're riding right up against the threshold. And if you missed your day and everything goes to crap, um, you know, usually you got to pull some other logs out of the fire. Seriously. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, I mean, maybe some other, we can talk about maybe some other things that determine fitness. So before we move on to healthy and what that entails, we didn't really define maybe fitness as well. So we've talked about a few of them, right? We talked about like good muscle strength, right? That's one for fitness, good muscle endurance, good flexibility, uh, a low body fat percentage, high VO2 max, like all these things. I think you said that Jay, the start, these are like check, athletic check, performance stuff, check. right? Like mm-hmm. things that, you know, low resting heart rate, good reaction time. That's what I think about for, for exactly mm-hmm. for fitness is, is very much geared towards athleticism or sports really in general. Right. Yeah. yeah. Dart players with their precise mm-hmm. stuff. Right? Fit dart players. <laughs> fit dart players. <laughs> highly precise tuned <laughs> instruments yes so that's Accuracy. what i think is the big thing whereas health uh we'll get into some of the health ones is is not that at all really well not that at all that's a small component <clears throat> of the overall picture yeah i think the ones that overlap well would be um you know like weight like a yeah, lot of people if they're a little bit if they're a little bit overweight even just losing like dropping five percent of your total body weight makes a huge impact on overall health. So it doesn't even have to be a lot, you know, I mean, you know, even like 5%, that's it. So it doesn't take very much to, um, to have a big impact on your overall health. I would say also strength. If you're improving strength, you're also usually related to improving overall health because that affects a lot of different areas in your body and probably improving cardio too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big marker for it. Got the age of 35. Bone density. Exactly. What are some of the classic, actually, let's go there. What are some of the classic biomarkers that we we actually look for? Like what uh, to determine, you know, for health? This, this, yeah, this, well, almost this blend for fitness and health, you know, like what would be some of the standardized ones right now? How I usually look at it is, um, I think Jay mentioned a lot of the fitness ones. So it's like the fitness ones, are, I think, are kind of specific that way. The health ones, I would look at those overlapping ones, like the losing weight, improving strength, improving cardio. And then I always go to, I want to know subjectively how people are doing, um, how they're feeling, but as well as the objective markers that come in with those determinants of health. So they're just getting a baseline first. After that, then I would say there's specific things that I think are good markers that you can do on your own. So checking blood pressure, I think is a good marker, you know, that you're in a, you're in that optimal zone around things. Um, waist to hip ratio, probably a really good overall marker for people. Uh, and it's, it doesn't cost you anything, you know, like really it means like your waist should not be bigger than your hips, but that's a big marker for cardiovascular. It's much better than a lot of the other ones, better than weight by itself. And And BMA kind of sucks. BMA is really, um, not a very good one. I mean, a lot of times people that are quite muscular have high BMIs and, and, you know, they're, they're told that they're obese. But a hip to weight, a waist to hip ratio is a good one. You know, men should be below 0.9, women should be below 0.8. So that's a good marker for people too. And then if you're trying to do like a panel, there's literally empty million types of tests you can do from a functional med perspective. But what I like to look at as a, as a big picture one, um, the one book I did, the top 10 lab test breaks down some of the key nutritional biomarkers because they don't usually get tested and they're usually out of balance for a lot of people. And those tie into that functional zone problems. It's like if those things are out of balance, they're usually related to so many other problems because they're the cofactors that make sure that all these biochemical reactions run smoothly for hundreds and hundreds of them. So I would check nutritional biomarkers. I would look at cardiovascular risk biomarkers because I think those are huge really inexpensive adaptability to stress you could do too so like cortisol levels things like that 
that would get into like some hormone testing you'd probably have to do because some of that stuff in blood tests, they're they're not they don't really show up until they're really a big problem. So you'd have to do that. Wouldn't be a blood test. You'd have to do probably like a dried urine test or some certain saliva panels could be okay for that. I think assessing fatty acid ratios is really important too because. These are big things that a lot of people are out of balance with. So I would test like athletes for a while when I was in clinic and again, super fit. But when I would look at like certain nutritional markers, I'd look at fatty acid ratios. It's like they're totally out of balance unless they're aware of it and they're doing something with it. But if your fatty acid ratios like your omega-6 and 3 are really out, out of balance, you're setting yourself up for a lot of long-term inflammation. Mm. And you wouldn't totally know other than the symptoms of like, oh, I'm getting more aches and pains, or maybe my my uh, I'm getting tendonitis a lot more frequently and I can't get rid of it, or some of these types of things, you know, or skin changes. So exactly. So like, uh, hiked inflammation is one of the major markers, right, of of not being healthy, right? Yeah. So so that would be a big thing to to discuss, right? Is to to uh, to know what are the signs, like you said. So like someone's that that's super achy all the time, joint pain, uh, a different functioning of of the digestive system that doesn't work well, the skin, all these things that could be huge indicators that you have an inflammatory problem uh, that is really uh, a lot of the cause of why the even the immune system is taking a beating, right? So, uh, yeah, I think inflammation is probably one of the big ones, like you said, with the uh, balancing of the omegas and, and everything else too, which can help tremendously when we talk about solutions, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You think like a, if we're going to do testing, like you got into specific testing, you think like the, like maybe like a lipid panel, right? Their triglycerides, their cholesterol stuff, I think that'd be pretty accurate to get a look at that. I think yeah. blood sugar is another one that's big for people if they're, especially like middle age when they could be you know, maybe pre-diabetic, we see a lot of, like, a lot of my clientele is like that 35 to 55 year old range. That's a big one for people when they're not, you can tell they're not doing well and you can, they're, they're not feeling themselves. Yeah. And they're gradually sneaking up weight every year. It's kind of going up. And some of those is like blood sugar is a good marker, you know, like a, like a hemoglobin A1C, which is more of like a long-term measurement over about three months to see how you're looking for blood sugar. That, easily starts to sneak up and that's usually more diet lifestyle related to get it back down i think that's a good marker i like looking at insulin levels so i would look at a fasting insulin because i think that also tells me if you are fat adapted which i think is a really important one for actually for both fitness and for health as well as being able to be fat adapted meaning like that your body can use sugar for energy when it needs to like that's like more your you know high intensity intervals that kind of stuff and more like your your people that do a lot of sport like soccer or tennis or whatever they have to go into that anaerobic metabolism where they burn sugar because that's that fast fuel but if you're doing that too much and you're not eating in a way to support the body properly you can get kind of stuck in that metabolism and then you actually have a hard time accessing fats for fuel when you really need them. And that's when people kind of go, you know, what the hell, I'm going to the gym all the time and I'm doing HIIT training and I'm doing all this stuff. And it's like, I've still got this belly fat here and it's not going. One of the reasons can be that you are now not fat adapted. Your body is getting so used because you're either in high stress all the time, you're not eating in a way that supports fat metabolism that now you're kind of stuck in burning sugar. So then if you're not burning sugar, you get cravings and then you can go on this sort of roller coaster ride. So I think a lot of times getting back into a zone where your body can be metabolically fit, meaning like you can switch between the type of fuel source. I think that goes a long way for people too. I have a question. Okay. So bringing it back. So 
we have a lot of testing that we can do, but what, again, you, you kind of classified. So someone, the listener uh, for themselves, the things that they should be monitoring, monitoring themselves. So you said, you know, like sleep and now we have apps to do that. You said looking at your stool, your digestion, I guess it's just being aware of your, you know, your waist to hip ratio. And then uh, I'm saying, you know, we mentioned a lot of tests. A listener might be like, well, that's a lot of things. What do I do? Where do I start? Right. Obviously, they want to go and see a, uh, you know, a professional who can guide them if they want to take a deep, deeper dive into health. But what coming back, like basics, what should they, what should they be aware of? And then if they need, if they do feel that there's something off and they want to seek professional help, what's the next level? What would be entry point? Dr. Jason Logan talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or if they just want to get a baseline, sometimes I think people yeah. just want to be aware of like, you know, cause a lot of this stuff you can, if you see it in advance, you know, you can mitigate stuff like cardiovascular markers. So Jay, you mentioned cholesterol. I'll, I'll come back to the beginning of that in just one section, but, um, Cholesterol, we're often told, is such an important one and all these kind of things. I mean, the reality is, is there's a much bigger story tied to cholesterol on whether how much cholesterol itself actually is related to cardiovascular risk. Um, I think there's other markers that are much more important to check to really assess your cardiovascular risk that are cheap and do not cost you very much, and they're, they're, they're pretty extensive. So you could look at your overall cholesterol panel, just to give you a picture, um, but you would need someone to look at the whole thing and then walk you through it properly so you know what the pieces mean. It's more than just total cholesterol. Some people can have high total cholesterol, but it might be higher because they've got a lot of good cholesterol, right? So their cholesterol to HDL ratio actually looks very protective. Um, I've seen that with, with lots of different patients where they're like, oh, you need to be on a statin. Your cholesterol is getting high. And it's like when you look at it, it's high because they've got a lot of good cholesterol. That's actually very protective, cardioprotective. So Cholesterol can be one piece of it, but I would look at from a cardiovascular standpoint, look at an HSCRP, which is a high sensitivity C-reactive protein. That's giving you a very specific marker for inflammation and, and even inflammation, particularly more in the arterial wall. Um, I would look at something like a lipoprotein A, which is also a, a marker for cardiovascular risk. And I look at a homocysteine. I think those three give you a really good picture of if you are increasing your risk that can that can, you can basically mitigate up to like 10 years before it ever becomes a problem so if you know that stuff's there then you can do things to start to reverse it and then relook at them again to see that you're getting back down into safe zones and they are markers for cardiovascular risk but they also tie into other stuff in the body you know global inflammation like you were talking about kevin and um, homocysteine also is is a you know a pathway that eventually comes down and makes glutathione so it gives you an idea of where you might be out of balance with specific pathways where i always start with people is i think if you you know depending on where your budget is for testing and stuff if you don't have a budget track those things like your your blood pressure, your waist to hip ratio, um, and go through the determinants of health. The ones that we kind of brought up the picture on, I think in, in one of the other episodes we did, um, that just monitor that, just start to get, it's almost like, um, you're being honest with where you're even at, because a lot of these things we don't even think about. So I think if you just start by monitoring and just tracking kind of going, geez, I'm only getting five hours of sleep every night and uh i'm kind of feeling sort of tired every day and my stress seems to be up at like an eight or a nine all the time and you know and you you just start to see trends i think that's the very first part is just 
Where are you? Take a good look at it. Doesn't cost you anything, but it gives you good markers. And if those things are changing with just making diet and lifestyle adjustments, you're probably on the right track. If people want to take a more comprehensive look, then usually what I would do is I run a couple of panels. So I would run a, a key nutrient and biomarker panel where I look at a lot of the key nutrients. Plus I would look at certain inflammation markers and stuff like that. That would be sort of a panel of blood work. And <clears throat> that might cost people maybe 150 bucks or something. It's not, not that crazy. Not, not to cut you off, but I like what you're saying about the lifestyle bit too, because when, you know, people have this, um, inability to handle stress or they look at their lives and they see like the stress on the body causing these uh, uh biological changes in the body uh, if they can actually take a quick look that's one easy way to start is looking like okay what are some things that i could maybe cut out that are going to relieve some stress number one and it's not to avoid stress obviously like we've talked about even in the resiliency podcast but the uh it is it is really to manage it properly so that one, maybe you have something in place to help you deal with it better. Um, but also maybe you avoid the ones that are clearly uh, not necessary. And that's a good way to start too, to allow your body to recover a little bit better uh, and not be constantly um, bombarded by uh, cortisol and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Totally agree. Yeah. Did we cover anything else? Was there any other tests there? So nutrient biomarkers, I think those are important ones. I think it's all, I used to run an essential fatty acid ratio on everybody. And I, I really found that everybody was out of balance on it, unless they were actually taking an omega-3 supplement, usually a, a fish oil or a good quality algae oil or something along those lines. But I, I actually just stopped running them because I know you're out of balance pretty much if you're not... Um, if you're not taking it to some point. And the problem is that if you take the first form of it, like, you know, the, um, AJ? Mm -hmm. the original omega-3, like from the plants, most people don't convert it very effectively. And, you know, I was working with the yoga community for quite a while. And I saw a lot of people that were vegans and I would have couples coming in that were both on a strong vegan diet. And it's really individual because I would find one of them would actually be doing really well on it. And even in their omega-3, they were converting their plant um, omegas over to higher up the chain, what we would call like official, like an EPA or DHA. They would actually be in a pretty good zone. I'm like, that's awesome. Then I checked the other one and they'd be like way out of balance, but they were eating more or less the same diet. So this is why sometimes it helps to test things because now at the same point, that person was also getting a lot more symptoms. She was getting a lot of more joint and aches and skin and hair changes and some of these different things that would would, would tell me about a fatty acid imbalance. Um, and it could vary from person to person. So I'll find that with like vitamin D. Some people are doing exactly the same thing or even taking the same dose. But when I check it, one person's actually right up there in the right zone and the other person's really low. Like they just might need more. Their body doesn't convert it over as well or store it as well or absorb it as well. So that's where the testing part is helpful because it, it just helps to really see like, where are you right now? And how do we, what's, what's, What's sort of the low-hanging fruit that we can address right away? Mm. What's the time frame for follow-up testing then? Like, how long do you want to see these interventions in place and to see the, you know, the 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 person, um, you know, integration time? Yeah, integration time. Yeah. What would you what would you say follow-up would be? 
It varies on the nutrient, but I would say most of the time, if we ran some tests to see where people were at, usually again, within probably four to six months is a good time frame to relook at some of the stuff. Like if someone say low in iron, for example, usually takes about three months at a pretty good dose to get you up. Same with like B12, probably about two to three months to, to start to rebuild levels. But again, I've seen it vary from person to person, depending on just how well they absorb and all the different factors that play into it. But I would usually do it and then probably follow up again in about within six months to check to see where they are. And, you know, even with something like vitamin D, you know, I guess chances are if you're not taking it, you're low, especially now, because you just won't make it un until probably we hit around May. But for people that are really low, you can give them a pretty aggressive dose to get them back up over the course of a month, right? And then just drop it down. And most of the time I've kind of found like, after a while working with so many people, you know what to kind of give people to get into a zone and then to kind of maintain there after. Mm -hmm. But I still think generally within about six months, it's good to recheck stuff just to see that you're on the right track. Nice, nice. Did we say CBC, like a regular blood test? We could do that for a basic a baseline or do you want, I don't know if that's in your book or not, but. Um, yeah, CBC is just a good baseline. I, I think it just sort of gives people an overall look at red and white blood cells and what's going on. It's a pretty basic panel, but it will tell you if there's any big things going on like anemias or, or certain blood pathologies or something. So that's a standard one though that you would get on a routine physical. So anytime you go see your doctor, you usually get like a CBC and you get you know probably your liver and your kidney enzymes and you, you kind of look at some of those markers. And it's a basic profile, but it doesn't look at any of the functional kind of markers that we had talked about in the previous episode. That usually you have to go over and above that, unless you've got a functional med doctor that is that's aware of it and that they um, are looking at it. Nice. So maybe so that's the testing part done. So maybe we can just go baseline of what people can do just to be more healthy at home. If they're not, they, obviously it's never a bad idea to go get testing done. But there's other ways just to determine or, you know, things we can talk about just to be healthy, right? We kind of mentioned a little bit before, but maybe we can zone into that a bit more. Does that make sense? As in, like, we talked about dietary stuff, but like maybe eating a balanced diet, like the 80-20 rule, like things you can do. If you want to get healthy at home, what can you do today? Well, A, you can start eating better, right? That's a surefire way to be healthier is just to follow that 80-20 principle, right? Like you said, Jay, I think you said, like, just reflect what are you currently doing? Look in the mirror, right? Are you maintaining a healthy body weight? If you're not, that's usually indicative of a few things. You need to either eat better and probably in combination with getting more regular physical activity, right? Mm -hmm. So those are kind of simple strategies that people can do at home to, to start trying to get healthier. It's better. really just getting aware first, you know, like, yeah. like uh, a, a, when I think about even with inflammation, it's like, notice when you wake up in the morning, when you're looking at in the mirror, you know, like, do, are your rings tighter on your hands? Um, do you feel like you got a little layer of fluid underneath your skin? Um, I mean, I know that depending on what I'm eating, I will notice differences like that the following day. Uh, and if you stop and pay attention to it and, and actually really sort of focus in, you'll notice, you know, I mean, you'll notice that, or if you're getting more joint pains one day than another, you know, because you were talking about diet and, and diet is just such a big, it's a big one that affects so many different things. And a lot of times I think people should just, you know, do, try and do something like an elimination diet or like an autoimmune paleo diet or something like that for a bit, just to see how they feel after about a month 
of of eating that way because a lot of times a lot of symptoms just disappear because you're not triggering it ongoingly for sure i, I like the awareness thing because obviously that's the and most people come in and all in you know in all seriousness like we see it all the time where they they're not even aware of the fact that those symptoms aren't normal yeah so, exactly so, so it's really key to teach them and educate them about uh you know waking up like that isn't normal it's not because of necessarily you're getting older that that is <laughs> that is such a common uh um uh, you know excuse for for all these things but um yeah so i like that fact that it's really just taking note of that it's not normal that i i go to bed for eight hours and i wake up and i'm exhausted so these are all indicators too that things are 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 askew at some level. So it's just to see like, well, what is it exactly like you're saying about waking up and feeling swollen to all these things of uh, doing an activity and being completely burnt after and or sore the next day that you, you have a hard time walking. Well, you know, these are a lot of indicators of inflammatory conditions and things like that. So yeah, it's just to be aware of like, what, what am I experiencing that is not comfortable and or, uh, helping me in what I want to do and what I want to achieve uh, and then go from there on breaking it down to see what might be the cause from that, which is some of the things we discussed before, but how to find them. But the key starts with being aware. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You'll find that with lots of stuff. It's, um, it's like just because it's familiar doesn't mean that it's the way it's supposed to be, even if it's been familiar for years and years, right? Um, you know, like I'll see people and they're like, well, it's normal for me to not have a bowel movement for three or four days. Um, it's been like that for years. It's not really optimal though. Like that, that might, might, might be causing some other troubles. Um, but it's just that that's what that routine has been like. And I remember having one, one kid in that was for ADHD and, uh, um, not that I'm a really big fan of those diagnoses, but it sort of wraps up how he was feeling. And when his nervous system actually was able to come right back down to where it should be, uh, and that was through doing something called heart rate variability monitoring and, and getting him actually down, and it was just like, holy cow, this is what I'm supposed to feel like? Like mm -hmm. he did not know what his nervous system was supposed to be like because he had always been riding up here. And sometimes you'll find like, certain imbalances can cause you to be kind of revved right up here. And that's all you've known. And you don't know until you actually get a chance to kind of come out of it. And then, then we can start to sort of reverse engineer that to figure out how to start to support that. But um, normal or familiar is not a good representation of whether or not you are functioning optimally. So sometimes you have to do some of these different things to just see. It's, it's why diet, for example, if you do that, you might find that you feel dramatically different after about six weeks of changing your diet up substantially. And a lot of these symptoms that you just thought were normal just started to disappear, right? Maybe certain aches start to disappear, or chronic headaches start to go away, or your energy starts to spike up, you sleep better, whatever it might be. And all you did was one major thing, but it just had so many trickle effects. So that gives people a new set point to now you know, observe what they feel like when they're not under this excess load of stuff. And that's what I think is really important is that if people can get out of that excess load, you know, that's where they start to really change their health because most people don't really even know what healthy is supposed to feel like because they've got so many other logs in the fire that are causing troubles. I like what you just said there. It's not so much what more can I do? It's maybe what can I remove from my right? From my lifestyle. So maybe, you know, you're doing too much, but in the case of food, oftentimes it's just like, 
you know, I, I love the the whole 30. I recommend it to people all the time because it's just a well thought out, you know, they're removing kind of any, you know, processed, refined sugars, alcohol. And just like you say, it's like the body when when you remove those things and, and the first two weeks are hard. And then eventually you get to the, the two weeks and all of a sudden these people, like you say, it's just, wow, my sleep's improved. My bowel movements are normal. My energy levels are better. Energy. Yeah. And you're not, yeah. you're not taking your, you're not adding things. Cause oftentimes we're, it's like, oh, you know, work out more, do this, you know, more sleep, more this. It's like, no, no, no. Just take out a few things and see how you feel. Once well, yeah. alcohol, cause that's been the biggest thing that came out here in Canada, what a month and a half ago, where the, whatever federal agency it is, has now reduced the number of drinks that's considered healthy per week. Yeah, I think it was up to 15 for men and up to 10 for women weekly, I believe. And they changed it to two two or less per week. And I've had several clients come in and say, can you believe this? Like two a week? Are you kidding me? That's my, that's my hockey night. You know, like, <laughs> and they're saying like how much of a struggle that's going to be. And, and we've had, I've had some good conversations on that with them saying, well, you never know. Like certainly 15 doesn't sound optimal, <laughs> you know? Alcohol is so, a funny one. It's like, you know, I, there's a lot of research pulling in, trying to show how alcohol can be beneficial you know it's like <laughs> oh it can help to lower cortisol levels and could do but it's like but it's like it's just right? it's just funny <laughs> because it's like you know i think just because it's a big industry so it's like let's try and people like and all this and it's like let's try and see you know there's resveratrol and in wine and all these things and bottom line is alcohol is not a health food so it's like yeah. you know if you want to have alcohol it's for fun and it's for enjoyment and you can have like some social health maybe around that exactly. yeah. but it's not a physically healthy thing on your body. And ultimately, you probably could find other ways to have social health that's probably more supportive than alcohol. doesn't mean I don't like having you know a beer or a glass of wine stuff once in a while. But, um, but I mean, when we try to categorize and talk about the health benefits of it, I really think we're just kind of leading ourselves astray. And, yeah. and you know, Mark, or not Mark, um, what, Dr. Uh, Amen, you know, the Amen clinics, the brain yeah. clinics, he's a big proponent of like, alcohol destroys your brain. Do not mm -hmm. do it. So he would say like none, don't have any alcohol. So you could probably see like a neutralizing effect again, when in Rome, right? Even you're on, you know, when you're in the right set and setting with the right people, like <clears> it's probably, you know, everything kind of cancels each other out <laughs> if it's not in excess, right? Yeah. Because that, and it adds to the mood, the environment and the, uh, you know, but it's definitely not a health food. Right? <laughs> My oldest son just did a project on the nervous system in grade nine and, uh, he said, Daddy, look at this. Look at the effects of alcohol on the brain or drugs on the brain. He goes, you should not have wine on the weekend. You know, like it shows like black spots. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That old commercial. This is your brain. This is your brain. Huh? Yeah. Right. Any totally. questions? Right? But he was shocked to see it, right? Because until you see it in front of you, he's like, wow. Like that's uh, it's a pretty powerful There's message. There's probably been lots of lobbying over the years to like you say to, to you know as we saw with the cigarette with industry. cigarettes and yeah 25 years surgeons knew they're like wait a second there's like a one in four chance that you're gonna have you know well you and you'd have actually with, and that's yeah. what you'd have doctors like camel the number one doctor choice yeah, yeah. cigarette you yeah, know so it's like um yeah that was all that was and all there the surgeons yeah the surgeons that are like performing the surgery are like oh wait a second <laughs> i didn't say i didn't sign up for that and then 25 years later you know once the once the dust settles like oh and by the way it's two more ways of being healthy yeah. <laughs> might want to stop yeah. drinking a lot might want to consume less there you go yeah yeah those are the really low-hanging fruit yes <laughs> but sometimes you know those are the hardest ones because it's like um most people know i think in some regard what 
what is sort of healthy and what's not. I, I don't think it's so much. I mean, people need it sometimes structured. They need, they need a little bit of like a, okay, what am I to do? Because there's so much information, where should I start? So I think it helps to structure for people. But I think ultimately a lot of people know certain things that are actually healthy. So when you're trying to get into, so how, why don't you do it, right? That's a whole different conversation. You know, it's like when you make changes, it's usually because you no longer resonate with that specific activity anymore. So something shifts kind of higher up and then it just no longer fits anymore. It's like fast food. You know, you can love fast food for a period of time until you just decide gross me out now, right? That that could be a, a point where someone just hits it. It's, it doesn't have to be a totally conscious choice. Sometimes it's just it's no longer something that I want anymore. Right. Or like when I see people that quit smoking, you know, the people that really did well with it usually was like, I did it and then it just it was done. It was like it was cold turkey and it wasn't even a hard for them. They didn't even go through even like a lot of addiction with it. So sometimes I think it's these real changes. They happen when we arrive at a place where we are really ready for them to happen and trying to force it too much. Um, I just find like, you know, it's like, wait, it's like, you, how many times do you just flip back and forth and do something and then fall off of it? Cause I, I just don't think we're totally in alignment with, with that change yet. And, and once it, once it does, once it happens, then I think, it, it naturally falls into our behaviors and actions anyways. It's normally when people figure out why they were doing it in the first place. That's when the most success mm -hmm. of letting it go comes, right? That aha moment. Yeah. It's like, oh man, yeah, that's totally why I have, you know, alcohol or do whatever, you know, like it's, uh, if you can get over those things for sure, then obviously better mental health and better decisions, but, you know, they can bring you to a better place where you could be a little more optimal, you know? Yeah, so I think that probably covers most of the stuff there. Um, probably what we'll have to do at some point is maybe even do um, an episode we'll talk around um, even like healthy weight, maintaining healthy weight, different strategies around that because that, that kind of gets even talking about like being metabolically fit, like what do we do to actually ensure that that starts to happen and some strategies around that. So um, yeah, for anybody listening, if there's certain information that you want to know, Write it Let in and we will um, put together some episodes on it. And I think we're probably even going to do some stuff where we'll talk about like our top three suggestions and see where we overlap, um, not talk about it ahead of time and see where we overlap and what's different. So you guys get some different feedback from each one of us. Awesome. Sounds awesome. All right, boys. Awesome right, seeing you again. You Healthy too. versus fit. Not the same thing. No, not at all. Check it out. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>